Wednesday's Law and Gospel on this March the 22nd in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and what we're taking a look at is the book of Proverbs. But we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to examine kind of the whole book from a law and gospel perspective. Yes, the law and gospel appears throughout Proverbs, but we need to understand that it appears in ways that often takes understanding when one is reading a passage. For example, the law expresses God's holy will with its demands that people conform to it by obeying God's commandments. But of course, we are sinners, and we are unable to satisfy the demands of God's law. We may at times outwardly obey the law, like we may decide not to steal. But a lot of times we will do that as an unbeliever for the wrong motivation. We think of ourselves, what's in it for me? Well, if I steal, I may be getting arrested and go to jail. So in order to protect ourselves, we don't steal. There's no motivation there about love for God. And an unbeliever cannot have proper motivation in obeying the commandments because he or she is an unbeliever and therefore cannot understand the proper motivation in obeying God's law. In contrast to the law, the gospel is the free gift of righteousness, salvation, and everlasting life on account of what? On account of our ability to obey the law? No, on account of the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the sufferings of Jesus Christ. So therefore, the difference between law and gospel is pretty clear. While sinners are unable to satisfy the motivation in following the demands of God's law, through his gospel, God bestows his gifts of grace and justifies believers, not through obedience, but through faith alone. Now, one cannot miss out on the fact that much of Proverbs has as its subject the law because it pays close attention to the principles of life from God's point of view in this fallen world. So at times, people think Proverbs is often seen as a inspired book with little or no gospel, but that is not true because in all of Proverbs, the gospel is presupposed. This can be seen by its uses of the law. Now, there are three uses that God makes of the law. 
but the first and third use predominate. What are these? Well, the first use of the law is what God gives to the government, namely that they need to be restrained from their sinful ways. And that's the first use of the law. But the law also has a third use, and it guides righteous, <coughs> excuse me, guides righteous people who are endowed with divine wisdom. We call this its third use. Now, the second use of the law, which is a mirror showing why you cannot be saved by obedience to the law, though it is not seldom explicitly employed in Proverbs, it's always present implicitly because the law always accuses. So when we hear things from God's point of view, we recognize through divine wisdom, we're not doing those things properly. And therefore we are accused. You see, we believers are simultaneously sinners and saints. The apostle Paul confesses that about himself in Romans 7, in 1 Timothy 1.15, and therefore, to the extent that we still act as unbelieving fools, the saying in Proverbs does condemn our foolishness. This relative lack of the obvious second use of the law also points us to the primary intended audience of Proverbs. It is written by Solomon under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to speak to God's people. Remember, many of the sayings at the beginning of Proverbs are to his own son, who, of course, is in Solomon's family as a righteous person. And therefore, discipline or instruction in God's way of life is extremely important because it is helping the believer to know how to live in a justified life and how to have a living relationship with God through faith in his gospel promises. So, from a point of view of the Old Testament, Proverbs is intended for the instruction, particularly of young men who have been incorporated into God's people through the promise connected with their circumcision. It is at times not advice for the unregenerate because the unregenerate who are unbelievers will not follow the wisdom of God. That's very true from the book of Corinthians, that unbelievers 
cannot be driven to repentance by the condemnation of their sins. But from a point of view of the New Testament, Proverbs is speaking to baptized people of God who have been brought into God's kingdom and regenerated through this sacrament. Remember David's prayer? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. You see, you have two hearts. Often in our Sunday school, we would celebrate the two birthdays of a child. On the regular birthday, the day they were born each year, they would receive a present. But on their rebirthday date, which is their date of baptism, they would also receive a present, but it would be a bigger present than the one they received for their birthday. You see, though Proverbs is not really able to be read by the unbeliever, it does propose that readers who are unbelievers need to be driven to repentance by the condemnation of their sins. It speaks to baptized people. Therefore, few passages in Proverbs speak the law directly in order to apply it in its second use, which is its proper theological use. In fact, according to our Lutheran confessions, the chief function or power of the law is to make original sin manifest and obvious to show man at what depths his nature has fallen and how corrupt he has become. So this is very important to understand that because Proverbs is written for believers, the second use is obviously there, much like John the baptizer did it. Remember, he came with a baptism of what? Of repentance, showing people how they had fallen from God's glory. They were short of the glory of God. And the purpose of the ministry of John the baptizer was to make people aware and prepare them for the good news of Jesus Christ, who was the Lamb come to take away the sins of the world. Therefore, daily, we need to die to sin and rise to new life in Christ. That's found in Romans 6, verses 1 to 11. Now, the civil use of the law, which is the first use of the law by the government to restrain sin, is employed to combat the foolish behavior toward which sinful human natures are inclined. This is often found in Proverbs with threats of punishment and suffering. For example, 
Proverbs 1, 30 and 32. They would not accept my advice, and they despise all my warning. They will eat the fruit of their way, and they will be gorged with their own advice. Therefore, the apostasy of gullible people kills them, and the complacency of fools destroys them. Or Proverbs 6, 10, 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to lie down, and your poverty will come like a drifter, and your need like an armed robber. Or Proverbs 11, verse 7. At the death of a man who is wicked, hope will perish and confidence in strength perishes. Yes, it doesn't matter how strong a person thinks he is. As he nears death, his confidence will perish. Verse 13 of chapter 17. The person who repays evil for good, that evil will never leave his house. That's talking to righteous people as to why they should not repay their good that they receive from others with evil. Now, there are Proverbs that promise benefits for those who follow the law. Chapter 25, verse 13. Like the coldness of snow on a harvest day is a trustworthy messenger to those who sent him. He revives his master's soul. You see, who is a trustworthy messenger that's found throughout the book of Proverbs? It's none other than Jesus Christ himself. And for a believer, he can understand how Jesus definitely revives our fallen spirit. We may become very sad at a funeral, but after a proper funeral sermon we hear, our soul can be revised. Some Proverbs use both a threat of punishment and a promise of benefits. For example, chapter 11, verse 17. A faithful man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble on himself. The vast majority of Proverbs are always two lines. And a lot of times, the one law is talking to, here's what a believer behaves like. And the second line, here's what an unbeliever is going to result. So, chapter 26, verse 20. When there is no more wood, a fire goes out. And without a gossiper, a quarrel dies down. Now see, this is why a lot of times you need to interpret the wisdom in Proverbs. That's why as we have been going through it, 
I'll take a look at, say, eight verses in one of the chapters of Proverbs, and I will admit to you that for the Proverbs, for those verses, I don't know what it's talking about. And that's because Proverbs is using the culture of its day, and it's helping people to understand, first of all, the wisdom of God in that culture, and then transfer that wisdom to our culture. For example, Christians may turn to the book of Proverbs for answers to question that their lives have posed to them. They want to know the correct way to live and the correct moral and ethical decisions to make. However, the sayings in this book seldom give direct answers to life's questions today. Instead, they require contemplation and growth in God's wisdom so that we can learn to apply the Proverbs in the old day to our day. Therefore, one needs not only the Proverbs themselves, but also the insight to each proverb that allows one to know the situation to which each problem applies. For example, in Proverbs 23, 4 and 5, we read, Do not wear yourself out getting rich. Have the insight to know when to stop. Will your eyes glimpse it before it is gone? For it will quickly make a pair of wings for itself. Like an eagle, it will fly into the sky. Now, the principle of this Proverbs is kind of easy to understand. Do not seek riches in excess of what you need and what you can use charitably, since worldly wealth is transitory. It can fly away like an eagle. Now, that's the principle of the proverb, but the application to your life today is more difficult. The question can be, when does one reach the point where one should no longer pursue money? Or for the desperately poor, this point may never come in our earthly life. While whereas for the fabulously wealthy, this point may have long since passed. So it is easy to determine how the rich and the poor should appropriate this proverb. Persons somewhere between need the wisdom to assess their situation and where to pursue other interests. So this is why you often need a pastor who is trained in the principle of the proverb in order to help you. So we, we had the civil use of the Proverbs, that's the first use of the law, to combat the foolish behavior of unbelievers. Therefore, the use of the law to discourage sin and encourage civil righteousness 
is needed even by the regenerate people of God. And this is the third use of the law. The third use of the law is simply information as to how God wants you to lead your life, how God wants you to behave. behave. So in Proverbs, you have some of Scripture's sharpest images of the punishment that God can mete out to those who are unbelievers. But you also have the law as a guide for the person who is a believer. That is one who knows the true triune God and desires to please him. That's found throughout the book of Proverbs. For instance, those who have made the children of Yahweh, and that's the word Lord, all with capital letters, the name God gives to Moses on Mount Sinai. They're encouraged, for example, to keep the third commandment. And we do that by praying to God. Chapter 15, verse 29. Yahweh is far away from wicked people, but he hears the prayer of righteous people. So what the book of Proverbs shows are the many benefits that the righteous people receive because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And, and that needs to be taught to them. Now, often Proverbs assumes that the readers are those who are believers of God. Therefore, it speaks to believers. For example, chapter 3, verse 9. Honor Yahweh with your wealth and the first part of your entire harvest. See, that was Pentecost, where you bring the verse, first part of the harvest to God. Now, we don't do that today in the church because that was a ceremonial law and we no longer have ceremonial laws that we need to obey because Christ has fulfilled all of them. But the principle still stands that we should honor God with our wealth by contributing to the church so that the message of Jesus Christ might go way beyond our borders. In many cases, God's promises are used to encourage people to do good. See, this is the difference between the law and the second use, which accuses you of sin and warns you that you could be damned. But the third use of the law, as it talks about the many gifts that you will receive, because of Jesus Christ, you are therefore encouraged to do good works, but not in order to save yourself, because the believer has already been saved through faith. 
Instead, Proverbs tells you, here's what you as a Christian will do because of the results of God's benefits to you. Chapter 11, verse 25. The person who spreads blessing will prosper. And the person who refreshes others will be refreshed. I just talked to a pastor about that. He has many opportunities where people come to him who are depressed. But by means of the wisdom of God, as found in Proverbs, particularly by the person hearing the promises of God, that person is refreshed. Therefore, Proverbs does seek to provide guidance in the way of God's holy law as the righteous people live their lives. Obviously, this same dynamic is found in the New Testament as it exhorts believers to obey God's law and be diligent in good works, not in order to be saved by obedience and works, but precisely because God in Christ has already granted salvation to the person by grace alone. Therefore, the book of Proverbs is very good. Chapter 12, verse 28. In the path of righteousness, there is life. And the way of its pathway is no death. This is referring to the two paths that Jesus talks about. The narrow path and the broad path. The broad path is the way of death, where people think they can get on God's good side by their works. In contrast to the narrow path, that is Jesus Christ, who died and rose so that you too have died to sin and rise to righteousness. Thought I would just like to talk about how Proverbs is filled with the distinctions between law and gospel. And so next week we'll continue with one of the passages from Proverbs. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.